Welcome again to everyone to our worship service. And if this is your first time, a real special warm welcome to you. We're so glad that you could be here and join the people of God as we worship. This is the portion um, of our worship service when we turn to God's Word. So if you have a Bible, um, if you would like to look on the screen, uh, we're going to be looking at Romans 8. And we're going to be reading the first 13 verses of Romans 8. So if you would give your attention and focus um, to the real living Word of God. This is Romans 8, starting at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteousness requirement, righteous requirement might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, hear this, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Happy Father's Day again to all the fathers who are here. As you leave service, you'll see that there are gifts for you um, in those blue bags. Uh, Make sure you pick one up. If you're a dad here, uh, happy Father's Day. Make sure you get one of these gifts that have been prepared um, by our church uh, to you on your special day. And um, I pray that today would be a time when you feel loved and appreciated, seen and recognized uh, for all the work that you do. Um, But I got to tell you, as a father myself, um, it's not easy uh, to be a godly father. Um, It's something that we as Christians strive to be, a a dad who is godly, who sets a good example uh, for our children, and it's not easy for me uh, to do, um, because by my nature, I'm not born a godly father. Um, In fact, none of us are. None of us are born godly anything, godly woman, godly man. Um, None of us are born that way. And also, if you look in the Bible, it tells you that not only are we not born godly, but you can't just become godly. You can't just work at it. So the Bible tells us that it's not nature or nurture. You can't get to godliness simply by being born that way or by just working that way. It's kind of a conundrum for us who want to be godly because it's not nature or nurture. 
And so, how do you get godly? Today's topic, as we look at our Gospel Clarity series again, the Bible has a third category. Not nature, not nurture, um, not born that way, not made that way, um, but the Bible gives us a third category. Not born that way, but reborn that way. Um, the Bible has something that's called being born again. And that's a, a different concept from being born. It's being born again. And today, as we look at the different sides of the gospel this summer, the side of the gospel that I want to look at this week, today, is the side called regeneration. And don't be scared off by that long you know, phrase, regeneration. It just means that God breathes life in us and makes us new. Um, Jesus, in his words, it's to be born again, reborn. And we're going to take a look at that. Because it's so important for us to try to be godly men, women, mothers, fathers, husbands, wives. It's so difficult for us. In fact, it's impossible for us to be godly without this. You, you could work as hard as you want to try to be godly. If you don't have this, it's a waste of time. And if you do have this, if you are born again, if you are what theologians call regenerate or born again, then it's the most powerful thing that you'll experience in your life. So we'll talk about that. How did God make us alive? And that's what regeneration is, making us alive. It's what he has done, as we just read in Romans. He gave us life through the Spirit. But the second question I want to ask today is how do we know what happened to us? How do we know that we are regenerate? How do we know that we are born again? Those are the two sides of the, this gospel coin that I want to look at today. Regeneration, it means that God brought you to life. Regenerate means God brought you to life. But the proof that you were brought to life is repentance. Repentance is actually how you know he did it to you. And so we're going to look at those two things. Regeneration is God bringing you to life, and repentance is proof that he brought you to life. So we're going to look at that together. But let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Let's all pray together. Father, we come to you um, every time we come to your word, uh, we need your help because uh, we have come from the flesh and we have so many weaknesses and these are your words. And so we want to bow your heads and say, we don't want to just know what Dave thinks. We want to know what you said. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to your people because they don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from their father today. So I pray that you would speak to them. I'll set myself aside, less of me and more of you, so that your children can hear from their dad today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Regeneration means to be brought to life. Romans 8, verse 9, it says this. You, brothers and sisters, you, today, here in this room, online, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Regeneration is the side of the gospel that I really want to learn about today with you. Um, it's an important aspect of the gospel. And let me start with a definition, just so that we're all on the same page, okay? Definition here is this. Regeneration is the work of God in the gospel, bringing people to life spiritually bringing people to life spiritually, awakening us up from being spiritually dead to being spiritually 
alive. That's what regeneration is. The Spirit of God making us alive, breathing life into us, and doing the work of bringing us from the dead to life. That's what he does for the elect. That's what we covered last week. We looked at predestination and election. And what he does for those he elects is he breathes life into them so that they can live a life not in the flesh, but they could live a life in the spirit. A new kind of life, a different kind of life, a life that is in God. Now, as much as, uh, as clear as Paul is in Romans about that, there's still something about us, right? Because we're Western Christians, many of us grew up here in the U.S., um, because we're Western Christians, there's something still about us. When we hear that, we still put it through the filter of, oh, that means I get to go to heaven. Being saved means that I get a ticket to heaven, that some people go to hell and some people go to heaven. And so being born again means I get a ticket to go to heaven. I get a place in heaven. Um, that is our Western Christian in, uh, heritage, that when we hear about salvation, we think about where we're going after we die, right? And so I, I really want to try to dismantle that filter because it's, it's true, but it's really incomplete. Your new life in Christ, that he breathes life in you, does not mean that you just get a place in heaven, but it means that heaven comes into you. And I really pray that this first point about regeneration, you get that. That this is not about you going to heaven when you die, but when heaven begins to take effect in you. For us to really understand that, we have to understand that the New Testament tells us that there's two realms in this world. There's the realm of the flesh, and then there's the realm of the spirit. Those are two different realms. The realm of the flesh is the way of living where it basically says there is no God. That basically, it, it, we live by our own impulses because we just live in this material world. Everything that we see is all there is. There's really no spiritual realm. Um, there really is no God who has grace and authority over us. It's just about us here. That is the realm of the flesh. Okay, that's the realm of the flesh. And a shortcut that I use is that flesh means all there is is flesh. There's no spirit. Now, that's the first kind of realm that exists. And the second kind of realm that exists is a way of living that acknowledges God and acknowledges his grace. It acknowledges everything that is in the spiritual world. There are these two ways of living. And we have to understand that to be saved and to be born again does not mean that you get to go to heaven when you die. But it means that you can start living this spiritual life now. That's the power to become a godly father today, a godly mother, a godly husband, a wife, godly man and woman. Those two realms, it's really important for us to understand because that helps us to understand what salvation means today. In Ephesians, Paul makes this really clear that it's not, if you look in the New Testament, there's very little about where you're going to go after you die, but it's about the nature of how you live right now. Let me read from you um, Ephesians 2. Uh, verses 1 to 6. This is how Paul explains it. Okay? This is your testimony. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the uh, prince of the power of the air, the spirit 
that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And listen to this. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. Um, I get a picture, when I read Ephesians 2, I get a picture of a zombie. I don't know about you guys. And just a disclaimer, there's a lot about zombies in today's sermons. I don't know why, but God led my mind that way. But just an exclaimer, um, there is... uh, Zombies um, in, our, in our movies and things like that. Zombies, this idea of zombies. And when I read Ephesians 2, I get this very clear picture of a zombie. Right? What, what's, what are zombies like? Zombies have really no volition and control over their own will. They have one thing going on inside of them, and it's that they want blood. Right? So if um, a living person lands in the middle of their zombie colony or whatever it is, they automatically, by their impulses... Go to them like this, blood, 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 right? And then they go and they bite their neck or whatever it is that they do. When Paul describes us in the flesh, that's the picture that I get when you read here, that we were just once just living out the passions of our flesh, our impulses, carrying out the desires of the body. That's what we were like when we were in the flesh, not born again, not regenerate, except you weren't going after blood. You were going like this. You were going money, 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 money. Comfort, 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 comfort. Security, security. Status, status. My kids, my kids, my kids. You were like zombies, carrying out the impulses of your desires, the impulses of your heart. And there was nothing you could do about it. You just lived your life following your desires and passions. Money, money, money. Comfort, comfort, comfort. Status, status, status. Sex, sex, sex. Security, security. He says, you were dead in the way that you once walked. You were the living dead. That's what it means to live in the flesh. Don't you see, this is not about going to heaven or hell. This is about how you lived your life. Chasing, sex, security, status, comfort, kids, money, security. You were awake and moving, but you were devoid of any spiritual life, any control over that. Once you lived like that, but no more. If you keep reading Ephesians 2, but this is what he says. Here is regeneration. Verse 4. You were like that, you were walking like that, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were doing that, even when we were going money, 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 comfort, 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 status, 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 even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is regeneration. That is salvation. That is the side of the gospel that tells us that it's not just about getting a ticket to heaven, but he changed our very nature. It's not about getting a place in heaven, but it's about heaven coming into us and waking us up to the things of the spirit, no longer to the things of the flesh. I kind of imagine in verse 4, like you guys see in these movies where somebody's under mind control, and all of a sudden they wake up from mind control and they rub their temples and they have a headache, and they're, oh, what, what was going on? Wait, what was I doing? 
Was I just going like money, 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 comfort, 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 security? Was I doing that? Oh my gosh. And he wakes up and he sees with spiritual eyes. He says, oh my goodness, what was I doing? God being rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. That, brothers and sisters, is called regeneration. God making us alive, breathing life in us. And now our hearts, Jeremiah would say, went from a heart of stone all of a sudden to a heart of flesh. And it starts beating with the Spirit. And now our eyes can see the things of the Spirit. Now the gospel that you used to hear and memorize, not really care about, you heard about it in Sunday school and you can regurgitate it over and over again. The gospel, right, that you heard, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, all of a sudden, in eighth grade, when you went to that retreat and you accepted Jesus Christ, or when you were 30 years old and you got in that car accident and you had this moment where you came to Christ, all of a sudden, that gospel that you just regurgitated and just kind of like tacked onto the outside of your heart, all of a sudden, it becomes real, alive, a precious treasure to you. For some reason, I think about these um, laundry detergent capsules um, that I, I always see them, and you throw them into the laundry thing, or my wife does. I don't really do the laundry, but I've seen them. They're like contained. But then you put them into the machine, and I guess what happens is inside the machine, they explode. And they take effect, and they go all over the clothes, and they change it from dirty to new. It's almost like you've always had that gospel capsule. You've heard it, right, in Sunday school? Memorized it? I know it. All of a sudden, God brings you to life, and that capsule containing the gospel explodes in your heart. And now you feel the effects of God's love. You feel the effects of his grace. And you say things like, I never heard the gospel before until I came to your church. It's not really true. You have heard the gospel. But there was a moment when God brought your heart to life and you experienced the power of the gospel. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. That's called regeneration. That's what God does for us in the gospel. And all of a sudden, it's not about us going to heaven, but it's about heaven coming into us and we start to care about the things of the Spirit. We begin to see with eyes of faith. You begin to see your brothers and sisters differently not as just people, but you see them as eternal beings, and you begin to talk like Jesus, and you begin to change, because heaven has taken a hold of you. That's regeneration. It's God bringing you to life. Now, secondly, how do we know that happened to us? How do I know that I went from dead to alive? For some of you, you've had moments like that when you went to a retreat maybe, and you had that moment, and your life was never the same. But others of you... You never had that kind of moment. Like me, I don't remember one particular moment when I came to life. Um, but for many of us, it was a gradual moment. Gradual moments over time. And that's okay. Because the way that you experience his regeneration is not necessarily the thing. It's just that he did it for you. But the question is, whether it was one moment or over time, how do I know that it happened? How do I know that it's real? This is how you know. Regeneration is God bringing you to life, but the proof of regeneration is repentance. Is repentance. 
not necessarily that you had a moment, but that you begin to see life in you. You begin to see repentance in you because it's proof that you are no longer dead but alive. Let me show that to you guys. Let's read verse 12 together in Romans 8. And this is what it says. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That is repentance. Putting to death the deeds of the body or the flesh. How do you know if somebody came to life? You begin to see a desire for the things of the Spirit. And you see them start to turn away from living only for the things of the flesh. That turn, brothers and sisters, that's called repentance. In the Hebrew language, the word for repentance is the Hebrew word shuv, and it just means U-turn. To turn away is repentance. Repentance isn't saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's turning away from the things of death towards the things of life. Why does that happen? Who does that? Why would you care about the things of the Spirit? The Gospel says, because you were made alive, because you were awakened to these things. Matthew Barrett, he writes this um, in one of his uh, articles. He says, the Word itself, he's talking about regeneration. The Word itself conveys an awakening has taken place. The sinner was blind to Christ, but now he can see. Previously, his will only desired sin. Remember? Comfort, comfort, comfort. Money, money, money. Sex, sex, sex. Status. Previously, his will only desired sin. But now it has been given new inclinations to desire Christ. New inclinations. Woken up. That means that dead people look at sin and say, Oh, that's living. But living people who have been regenerate look at the things of God and say, that's living. It's a totally different way of living life. It's not about a ticket to heaven. It's about the nature of what God has done in you. How do you know if you've been regenerate? Repentance starts in you. You start to turn away from the things of death and say, I don't want that anymore because I'm not dead anymore. I don't want those things because that is death. And I want life. It's the guy who wakes up in a coffin six feet underground and freaks out and says, what am I doing in this coffin? I'm not dead. I'm alive. And he starts kicking the coffin. He says, help me. I'm alive. I'm not dead. I want out of this coffin. That's called repentance, brothers and sisters. It's the privilege of being alive, moving towards God, moving away from death. You know, we have to reframe what repentance means to us. Some of us, the word repentance puts this bad feeling on our heart because it makes you feel like what repentance is is to just make you feel bad, God blaming you for things that you have done wrong. But don't you see what repentance really is? It's the privilege of the living. It's the privilege of the living to turn away from things that kill us the privilege to turn to things that give us life. Repentance is that privilege that we have as those who are alive. I love the picture in, in Mark 5. In Mark 5, you have a guy who's probably the most severely demon-possessed guy in the New Testament. 
Not only is he demon-possessed, but he's actually hurting himself. He's cutting himself with stones. He's living among the tombs in the cemetery. And he's doing everything that basically represents why is he living with those who are in the tombs? Because he's spiritually dead. He's dead inside. So he's got chains. He's naked. He's screaming all the time. He's cutting himself with rocks. And then he experiences the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, by his mercy and grace, wakes him up out of his demon possession, out of his death, and he brings him life in that moment. Now, the interesting thing is when you read what happens after in Mark 5, 5, um, this is what it says. When they came to Jesus, they saw the demon-possessed man. These are the townspeople. They saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, all the demons, sitting there, and now he was clothed and in his right mind. He was clothed and in his right mind. What happened? This guy, once he was made alive, didn't want to live in the tombs. He didn't want to cut himself. He didn't want to live naked. He put on clothes, and he had a right mind. I think that's the picture of salvation. Right? It's not about getting a ticket to heaven. It's about being spiritually made alive. And he doesn't want to live in the tombs anymore. He wants to live like a living person. Brothers and sisters, that is repentance. That's how you know somebody has been regenerate. What if this guy went back to live in the tombs, continued to do everything that he used to do, stay living in chains, stay living naked, and stay cutting himself with rocks? What would the townspeople say? They would say, Jesus, I don't think it worked. He's still doing it. He's still living like a dead person. He's still living among the dead. I don't think it worked. But what happens when Jesus brings him to life? He turns away from death. He moves out of the cemetery, and he begins to follow Jesus. In fact, he tries to get into the boat with Jesus and his disciples, and Jesus says, no, you should stay here. But he's following Jesus, and he wants to go be with people, and he wants to live a new life. Don't you see what repentance is? Repentance is not this blame game to make you feel bad, but it's proof that you've come to life that you don't want to keep living in death and sin. If regeneration is God making you alive, repentance is proof of it. Proof that you have something beating in your heart. It doesn't want to stay in the same things again. This is regeneration. It's a side of the gospel that's beautiful and powerful. And unless you have regeneration, as Jesus would tell Nicodemus, unless you're born again, there's nothing you can do to try to save yourself. But when God regenerates you, when he births you again in the spirit, he changes not only our position in heaven, but he puts heaven inside of us. And he gives us new life. And that's the Christian life. What Paul would say is, in his language, it's put off and put on. Put off death. Put off the cemetery. Put on clothes of righteousness. That's what God has done for us. And without that, you could try as much as you want to try to be saved, but you can't. You must be born again. Now, I want to close by telling you four things that it means for you this week. That God regenerates people, makes people alive, and that's how salvation works. That's how you walk in new life. Here's the first thing. There's bad news and good news. Let me start with the bad news. There's bad news when it comes to regeneration, and this is the bad news. If, in fact, 
to be born again and to be made alive, it means that God has to do this complete work of bringing you from death to life. The bad news is, whatever you thought that you were working on, whatever works that you thought were bringing you closer to life, whatever religious deeds, whatever good works, whatever good things that you were doing you thought was bringing you to life, in terms of salvation, those works alone, the bad news is, they don't do anything for you. You thought you were bringing yourself to life through these religious things. The bad news is, it means nothing. Without the rebirth of Jesus Christ, without him making you alive in faith and repentance, just being good, it does nothing for you. You must be born again. You must repent and turn to God and not just do things to try to save yourself. The bad news is you can't save yourself by doing these things. Charles Spurgeon, he puts it like this, and I think it's a great illustration. He says, pretend that there's a club in England that you could join, but you could only join if you're born in England. And so in that time, he said, pretend there was a Native American man from North America who said, I want to join that club. And he goes to the club president, and he says, how do I join? And he says, well, you've got to be born in England. Where were you born? North America. I'm sorry. Native American man goes back to America and says, you know what, I'll dress like them. I'll dress like the Englishman. And so he puts on an English garb and he comes back across the ocean and he says, can I join the club? What does the Englishman, the president, say? I'm sorry, you have to be born in England. The Native American man goes back to North America. He says, you know what, maybe they want me to be wealthy like them. I'll be wealthy like them. So he creates wealth and he goes back and he shows, these are my bank accounts. These are my assets. Can I come in? He says, I'm sorry, you have to be born in England. He goes back and he says, you know what they want? They want me to have the same mannerisms as as English people. And he learns all the mannerisms of English people and he comes back and he says, can I join? He says, I'm sorry, you have to be born in England. Some of you think that you are Christian because your father is an elder. Some of you think that you are Christian because you were born in a Christian family. Your mom is a pastor, your dad is an elder, your brother is Superman, your sister is Batman, I don't know. But it doesn't matter. You come to Jesus with that. What does he say? I'm sorry, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. But, but what, if, what, if, what if I do uh, Christian things and what if I serve the church and what if I do a lot of religious things? What does Jesus say? I'm sorry, you have to be born again. But what if I come to church every Sunday? What if I tithe? I swear I'll tithe. I'm sorry, you have to be born again. The bad news of regeneration, if regeneration is true, that really salvation is God bringing people from death to life, all the things that you thought were bringing you into the kingdom are like filthy rags. They have no effect. The bad news of regeneration is everyone must be born again. But the good news of regeneration is everyone must be born again. That's the good news. And the bad news, at the very same time, everyone must be born again at the same time. If you're in this room and you feel spiritually behind, 
If you feel like you're somebody who doesn't have the spiritual stuff, the religious stuff, the good stuff, you don't look very much like a Christian, you don't know all the Christian rules, and you feel today as you come to church, you feel a little bit spiritually behind, the good news for you, brother and sister, is everyone has to be born again. That's the good news. You know, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is asking him, what do I have to do? And Jesus looks at him and he says, you have to be born again. You have to be made new. This is really bad news to Nicodemus. And the reason it's such bad news to Nicodemus is that Nicodemus has spent his entire life building up a religious resume. He has theology. He has works. He tithes. I mean, he's not just a Pharisee, but he's the Pharisee of Pharisees, which means he tithes everything that he has which means he's been through all the theological courses. He's served the church. He spends all his time at church. He's built up this religious resume that is impressive, and he's killed himself to do it. And Jesus says, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus says, what? How can somebody go into his mother's womb and be born again? Now think about it. This guy has a doctorate in theology. He's a teacher in uh, philosophy, you think he doesn't understand a little bit of nuance? You think he doesn't really, you think he really thinks that's what Jesus is saying? Come on. That's not, he knows. What is Nicodemus really saying in his sarcasm? He's saying, are you serious? How can I start over? You're telling me that none of this matters. You're telling me that all this work that I did religiously means nothing. What about my degrees? What about my service? What about all the things I did for the church? And Jesus says, I'm sorry. You gotta be born again. It's bad news for Nicodemus. But you know who it's good news for? It's good news for prostitutes, tax collectors, and sinners. Because for them who always felt spiritually behind, the good news is you're not behind. Everyone starts from the same place. Everyone must be born again. And that's the good news of the gospel for those who feel behind. You ever play Monopoly with a bunch of people and about an hour into the Monopoly game, something goes wrong. And you say, all right, guys, let's just start over, right? Who doesn't want to start over? All the people who are winning, Right, the guys who have hotels on Broadway and St. James Place and owns all the railroads and utilities, they're like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 we're not starting over, right? But who wants to start over? (laughs) All the losers, all the people who are behind, they say, yeah, let's start over, right? Jesus comes in the New Testament proclaiming the kingdom, and he says, you must be born again. All the Pharisees and Sadducees say, no, we're not doing that. We're not starting over. We put in too much work. We have too much status. We're not starting over. Salvation cannot be by grace. It must be by works because we have worked too hard. Let's put him on a cross and kill him. But when Jesus says, you must be born again, salvation is by God's grace alone. The tax collectors, the sinners and prostitutes say, yes, please. Yes, please. If salvation is by grace, that means no one is behind spiritually. My brother, my sister, to be born again 
It's great news if you're humble. It's great news if you feel like you're behind. Jesus gives you a way into the kingdom that has nothing to do with your works. And for those who feel like they have no works, it's tremendous news. You must be born again. And some of you are wondering, how can I do that if I'm not sure I'm regenerate? How do I know if I'm regenerate? I mean, I'm not going to repent if I'm not born again. Right? You want me to repent and turn to him, but I don't, how do I even know if I'm born again? How do I know he did it for me? Now you have me questioning my salvation. Am I born again? Am I born again? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. You know, now you have me questioning my salvation. What are you doing to me? Brothers and sisters, if you ask that question of the New Testament, of your Bible, do, how, how do I know if I'm regenerate? I need to know if I'm regenerate before I repent, right? Jesus will say to you, just repent. Just turn to me. I'm offering you grace. You want to look behind the divine curtain and try to figure out if you're born again? You can't. But repent and come to me and receive Jesus Christ and the work that he's done. Instead of trying to argue with Jesus, Jesus would say, you want to argue with me or you want to live? You want to argue with me or you want to live? You want to know everything or you want to live? Turn to me, Jesus says, and I offer you life. The good news of the gospel is that everyone can receive it. And if you want to sit there and wonder whether you are saved or not, why waste the time? You'll never know the mind of God, but you can receive the invitation to come in to the kingdom. Repent and turn to life. The good news is that you could shed off sin and that you could come to life. And he's offered you this new life in Jesus Christ. You know, I'll say um, one more thing uh, before I close. I think my favorite part of regeneration, my favorite part of this doctrine is that the doctrine promises us that he will change us. That if our salvation is by regeneration, then if you think about it, it's a promise that whatever sin you've been struggling with and you just couldn't leave behind, whatever sin you couldn't defeat, is it pride? Is it your tongue? You just can't control your tongue? Is it lust? You just can't beat that? What is your thing that you have a hard time leaving behind? What is your thing that you have such a hard time having victory over? Whatever it is, the good news of the gospel is that whatever that thing is, it will be defeated in his new birth. It will be defeated in his new birth. If he brings you to life and you don't bring yourself to life, there's a tremendous guarantee that the work that he began in you, he will finish at the day of Jesus Christ. That's my favorite part about being born again. Because sometimes I feel like I'm never going to beat my sin. I feel like I'm never going to leave it behind. But it promises us that we will. Here's another zombie illustration, okay? In every zombie movie, um, in every zombie movie you, you see, there's a certain point in every zombie movie where one of the teammates or one of the family members gets bitten by a zombie, right? 
And everybody is shocked and everybody is scared because they know that it is inevitable that this person is going to now become a zombie. And so there's usually like this moment, this scene of tearful goodbye, right? Oh my gosh, you know, they start crying because they have to leave this person behind. But he's not a zombie yet. Why do they have to leave him behind? Because they know that inevitably this person's going to change. So they leave the person behind, tearful goodbyes. I know that's a negative thing, but positively in the gospel, you know what regeneration means? If you are born again, it is inevitable that you will become the sanctified version that Jesus Christ has made you to be. What Peter says in 1 Peter is that you have been born again with an imperishable seed. He has put a seed in you that cannot be destroyed. What happens to seeds? They inevitably grow. He says you have been saved by an imperishable seed, inevitable, powerful, bound to happen. Whatever sin that you feel like you can't leave behind, God's promise to you is that if you are born again, it's just a matter of time. Victory is real for those who are born again. That means you and me if you have Jesus Christ. Let's pray. For those who have been born again, what is the response? The response that we have is to praise, to worship, and also to keep repenting. If you understand what repentance is, it's the privilege of those who are alive to move towards Jesus Christ then the honor and and the direction of those who are alive are to keep moving towards life. If you choose the flesh, you will die, Paul says. But if you choose the spirit, then you will continue to live in all the more. My brothers and sisters, today, won't you receive the glorious news of the gospel? If you're here and you feel like you're spiritually behind other people, the good news of the gospel today, I hope that It is clear, as our series is called Gospel Clarity, I hope it's become more clear to you. You are not behind. Everyone must be born again. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, the tax collectors and the sinners are getting into the kingdom ahead of you. Why? Because they look at this good news of the gospel to start over. And they say, yes, Jesus. Yes, please. I need a new start. If you sit here and you feel like you're behind spiritually, won't you receive the good news of the gospel? You're not. You're not. Come into the kingdom. Come as you are. Because in his grace, he has made the kingdom available to those who are least likely to enter it. My brothers and sisters, let's go to the Lord in prayer in repentance and receiving this gospel and in giving him praise that is not up to us but he brings people from death to life. Hallelujah for that. Let's go to our Father in prayer together.
Father, this is our God. You are our God. Freely you gave it all to us. Surrender your life upon a cross. And you said, it is finished. I've brought the death to life. I brought those who are spiritually way behind to the front seat in the kingdom. This is our God. And Father, I pray that you would help us to receive this good news. That if this is true, that if you don't work your way into the kingdom, and if you're not born into a Christian family, but you need to be reborn, this is tremendous news to sinners. Thank you. Thank you. This is what I needed. Um, this is what we needed to be saved. Thank you, God, that we can freely receive. And we pray that you would help us to turn away from the things of death and turn to the things of life because we don't want to live in chains anymore. We don't want to live in spiritual cemeteries anymore. We don't want to live with the dead. We want to live and have life. So lead us, Lord, by your grace to live the life that you have called us to be. And I pray that you would give us the grace of repentance to turn towards our gracious God, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.